Welcome to episode 205 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, or you can call me by my new name that I just came up with uh, last Friday for trivia, and that is the Prince of Sharkness. And if you listen to the show, you know how much I enjoy my sharks. Uh, I am, of course, here in the Pat Cave, deep within Magenta Manor, and we wouldn't be here without the help of the Dorkening Network and our friends over at Deadly Grounds Coffee. So, do yourself a favor, get yourself some Deadly Grounds coffee at de- getdeadly.com, because once you go deadly, you don't go back. But I'm not here by myself. No, no, no. I am here with my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen of the Monsters, <laughs> Michael Phelps of Wine, Real Housewife of Transylvania, and an honorary Lizzie. I know that's a little out of order. I apologize, but it's Ashes Von Nightmare. I'm so used to the. I, I, I'm all discombobulated now. I'm discombobulated. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But it's nice that me and all 10 of my personalities could join you today. Yes, with uh, my three personalities. <laughs> and uh, you were excited specifically for uh, something because you, you accomplished something this uh, past couple of weeks. I did. So. Because of our guest, our very special guest today, I read a book. Yes. I read a book cover to cover. And it, there was no pictures or anything. And no. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't skip a word. I didn't make up my own words. I, I, I did it. I did the thing. I read the book. Now, I have a habit of, and I'm sure some of you can relate, of picking up a book, starting it, and then being distracted by another book that crosses my path and not finishing. So I have... A bunch of books that I've started, I know how they start. I have no freaking clue how they end. So hopefully I can rectify that. But this was a good start. I read a book. Yeah, we both it read it. did the thing. We and it was a good book. book. Yes. And uh, we are honored to be joined by the author of Broken Genius. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is Mr. Drew Murray. Drew, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, I was very excited. We chatted a little bit offline uh, to find out that you uh, are already a fan of the show. You listened to the show. You knew what we're all about, which is super awesome. So now I'm even more excited to have you on as a guest. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love the show. I've been listening to it for a while. It's terrific. Oh, I love that. And this is this is your first book, correct? It is. It is my first novel. Congratulations on the publication of your first novel. This is fantastic. Now, Thank you. It's really exciting. And this uh, goes on sale on uh, Tuesday, June 2nd, so we got uh, an advanced copy, and I will say uh, this is, we've gotten movie screeners before, never a physical copy, but this is the first time we've gotten uh, an advanced reader copy of a book. So that was pretty awesome. I was like, this is so cool. Like, we got a physical book. (laughs) We got it, you know, a couple of months before it actually, uh, you know, went to publication or went for sale, I should say. Right, before they did the final print run of the hardcovers, yeah. Which is so cool, like, and I really appreciate you, uh, you doing that for <clears> us. <throat> like, that, that meant a lot. Like, so, as you are familiar with our show, you know that we like to do a little thing called getting into character. And uh, we have some getting into character questions for you today. Uh, are you ready for those? I am totally ready for them. All right, so based on the... Uh, on the the, the subject matter of your book, there's a lot of uh, con references, and there's certainly a lot of references to different fandoms, so that kind of uh, helped me formulate my questions. So the first question I have for you is, 
If you could switch places with any sci-fi pilot, who would it be? Oh, <clears throat> oh, that's a tough one. You know, I got to go Han Solo. You know, I kind of figured. Mm-hmm. Yep, got to do it. Got to do it because you get the coolest co-pilot too, right? Like Chewbacca. Yeah, that's true. Like you, you know, if you're gonna factor that in, you have to factor in that you know, you, you it's not just the ship. It's not just, you know, who you are. It's everybody around you as well. Exactly. Exactly. Though, you know, also the window out of the Millennium Falcon is classic. Yes. The uh, YT, Carillion YT freighter. Yes. It's a great ship. Such a unique design. I love, like, really weird designs on my spaceships. <laughs> and it's, it is such a unique design. I remember being a kid and getting, you know, I had, like, one of the original toys of the Millennium Falcon and I, I took the thing apart and I put it back together. But it was like a big Frisbee with this just this cockpit on the side of it. And you're thinking, well, he, he can't see around half the ship. How does that make any sense? But it totally works. Yes. I mean, it, it helps that he's a great pilot, too. Of course. Uh, Ashes, you have a question. I do. So if your personality was an ice cream flavor, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. You know, you know what? I'm going to go with chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh, okay. Very nice. Classic. Sure. So on the surface, I look really conservative and plain and very vanilla-y, but then there's something fun inside. That's a really good answer. I like, I like that. that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so my next question is, what is one prop, either from TV or movies, that you would love to own? Regard- we'll just say like you have the space to put it you know, it doesn't matter if it's like, like, oh, I want a T-800 endoskeleton, you know. It's like, doesn't matter. You have the space for it. You can put it anywhere. And, you know, the wife's not going to complain. You know, you have I room like for it. it. I like it. You know what? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a large thing. It would be uh, an actual lighting up from the set sonic screwdriver. Oh, very nice. Yes. That, that is definitely what I would want to have. Yeah, you know, we were we we took a walk around the soccer field down near us, and uh, one of the things I said, I'm like, you know, I think he's, I think Doctor Who is like a huge thing for him, you know, based on the book, and uh, you picking the sonic screwdriver just drives that point home. Don't no pun intended. <laughs> Ashes, you have another question. So, by reading this book, it on? is pretty obvious that you are a fan of <laughs> several different fandoms which I love. Uh, what is a fandom that you are a part of that might be kind of shocking or unknown to other people? Almost like a, I don't want to say guilty pleasure, but I'll say guilty pleasure for lack of a better word, like a guilty pleasure fandom for you. Uh, you know what I'll say? It, it, I kind of came to it in an indirect way because of my kids. Um, they started watching Teen Titans go obsessive, meet some of the voice actors, um it's been uh, yeah teen titans go definitely which is yeah i i i could see that teen titans go is it's a lot of fun it's always nice but you wouldn't think that from you know like a middle-aged guy is gonna be oh teen titans go but no it's 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 such a great (laughs) i I was waiting for something like it's it's really it's there's more depth to it yeah yeah i was i mean i was waiting for you to be like oh i'm really into paw patrol (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so we've got uh one more and 
So the final getting into character question that I have for you is, uh, if you woke up tomorrow with the ability to speak to animals, what would be the first animal you spoke to? Oh, my dog. My dog, Luna. Yep, absolutely, for sure. She's, she's a rescue dog. We, she was left for, for dead in a laundry basket in the far north, um, and somebody found her, and they took her in. Uh, and, you know, long story short, she ended up her way, her, get, finding her way south um, to us, and she has been just the best dog you could ever imagine. She loves everybody. She's really just a positive, happy creature, totally well-adjusted. Um, but she looks at me sometimes and I know she's thinking something. <laughs> I'd love to know exactly what that is. Yep. How long has she been a member of your family? Uh, we're coming up two years now. Oh, nice. Oh, I love that story. I love adopt. Don't shop. Seriously. Like we have, we, we were cat people and both of our cats are, are rescues and always go rescue. Yes. Always go rescue. Absolutely. Oh, I love that story. Yeah, I mean, and the only reason we're not dog people is because we live in an apartment and we are not allowed to have dogs. But uh, Yes, well, and apartments are tough for dogs. And our dog is part husky. Um, she's <gasps> like six, actually, she's six plus different breeds. We did a DNA oh test goodness. on her because we, we couldn't tell. The vet didn't know. Um, so, you know, they actually have doggy DNA tests. You actually mm -hmm. swab her cheek like a person. And we sent that off and, and she's got all these really athletic breeds in her even though she's fairly small she's only about 35 pounds um but she needs exercise she needs to run every day um and so you know she at one point was living in an apartment and it it, it was really hard for her um it was hard for the people that had her she she would you know cry and whine and and be jumping all over the place because she just had all this energy she needed to get out and the first time she came over to see us before we adopted her uh, we let her out in the yard and she just started running laps around the yard, just <laughs> whoop, 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 in circles. Um, she just needed space to run and, and dogs definitely need that more than cats. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, well, absolutely. I, My cat is perfectly happy sitting in the same a lump spot 22 the hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's sit there glaring at you. Yep. Yes. That's a cat. <laughs> yes. Like when are you going to feed me again? <laughs> Yeah, we had uh, when I was. Why aren't you worshiping me right now? When I was younger, we had a, a beagle and a Newfoundland lab. Oh wow! Yeah, so she was good size. So she loved. She she would be in the water from as long as it was melted from October, like year round, year round. As long as it was melted, she would be in the water. She didn't care. Be in the water for sure. And uh, the beagle, the beagle hated the water. Absolutely hated it. Like we had a little and sailboat, and we'd take him out, and he'd. We'd be like, all right, go swim. And he would swim, and he would go right up to the shore, and he would just immediately start rolling. Hated being wet. <laughs> Hated water. And now could he be enticed in by the other dog? Would the other dog lead the beagle in? The beagle's like, no, I'm not nothing, having it. Nothing. Absolutely. If you, if you washed him, the first thing he would do is roll in the dirt. Like, <laughs> it's like, well, you don't smell anymore. You're Whatever, whatever. You're muddy, but you smell better. So <laughs> whatever. Uh well, thank you for uh, in, enduring that <laughs> that weird uh, circumstance. We had weird technical stuff going on in the background that I don't know what's going on. But uh, I blame Will Parker. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's here in spirit. That's right. Uh, Hacking into our conversation. Get him to do some tech support. Jeez. He's, he's worried that we're talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be when we come back from break. Yeah, but nothing but good stuff. Like, I don't get it. 
But yeah, so that's what we'll do. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're really going to delve into the book and uh, talk more about, you know, who uh, who Drew is and uh, where this story came from. So uh, yeah, we'll be right back. Sounds. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do ye have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? Would ye rather eat a cod piece than another boring candy bar? Then it's time for ye to sink your teeth into Mythical Meats Exotic Game Sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack, featuring dragon, chupacabra, and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky Sample Pack, with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the Exotic Flavor Sample Pack? featuring all ten flavors so you can find your favorite. Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. And we are back, and uh, we are still here, and everything is still running smoothly, so uh, let's take advantage of that as quickly as we can. Uh, Drew, thank- thanks for uh, sticking around. I appreciate that. And uh, before we get into it, uh, you and I talked a little bit offline. You, you had a, a bunch of Easter eggs that you put into this book, because you yes. are a man of many, many fandoms. And uh, I, ju- I have to start off, because I've been wondering this for a long time, and uh, there's definitely a uh, an obscure Matrix reference that you use twice uh. in this book. Uh, bake your noodle. And I'm wondering if yeah. that was intentional. Yes. Yes, it was. Now, and you are the first person yes. to have ever noticed that. Yes, because that's what the ever. Oracle says to Neo. What's really yes. going to bake your noodle later on is, would you still have broken it if I hadn't said anything? That's exactly it. That's where it comes from. Excellent. I'm so happy. I love stuff like that. <laughs> and like, 
Ask her. I've been talking about it for like a week. He has. Um, I have it written down on my book. I'm like, there's no. Well, like, he said, bake your noodle. I was like, are you, are you requesting a casserole for dinner? Like, is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He, he hit the nail on the head, which is funny because my son is a huge fan of the Matrix and he read it and he didn't pick up on it. Oh, that's so awesome. well done. Thank well you. Well done. Good job. Oh, awesome. I, I'm glad I got that. I, I was bursting to ask that. <laughs> I really was like it took most of my willpower not to ask up until this point. But uh, speaking of willpower, uh, your main character, Will Parker, who for some reason I kept having like I I kept conflating all these different names in my head. And as you heard on the uh, one of the outtakes, I couldn't even get my own name right at at one point. So, you know, this isn't surprising. For some reason, I kept wanting to call him like Alex Miller for for whatever reason. I don't know why. But it's Will Parker, like which Random. not even yeah. not even close. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my first question for you is, you know, you have a background in in, uh, in in tech. You have a background in writing. Like you're a teacher. Um, where does Will come from? Like, how much of you is in Will? Uh, well, I, I'd like to say a lot of, of me is in Will, but he's way smarter than I am. Like he's he's way way sharper than I am. He's the genius of of broken genius. But um, Will is sort of an amalgam of a number of people that I met uh, when I spent some time in Silicon Valley in California. Um, so you know, I worked in IT for a lot of years, but it was corporate IT. It's like boring, you know. Um, mainframes and access to servers and stuff like that. Uh, not the really cool tech, but I had a friend that was uh, working out in California and I went to visit him and he knew uh, a lot of people in tech in, in the Valley and uh, in San Jose. So I went down and I spent some time there and I met some of these people. And one of the things that I really picked up on talking to all these people who are in tech was the unbridled optimism and confidence. Uh, that people who are entrepreneurs generally have, uh, but in tech very specifically have oodles and oodles of. And I thought that would be a really fun character to write about. Um, so, you know, but he he has to have some vulnerabilities and, and you really want to make a character realistic and three-dimensional. Um, so I, he needed to have a flaw. Um, and I said, well, what if, what if that is his flaw at the same time? So he's got this just just unrelenting. It's going to work out. No matter what happens, it's going to work out. Um, I'm going to figure this out. It's going to come through. Uh, but that is a character that you know could get a little tiresome after a while. So I needed to do something to shake his faith in himself. Um, and, and that's why in the first chapter of the book, everything kind of blows up in his life. Everything goes wrong. Um, and it's a disaster. And that really breaks his confidence. Because one of the things that's really interesting about uh, business people and and people who are entrepreneurs, especially, again, is how they come back from failure. Uh, I've known a, a few entrepreneurs uh, over over the years that have led successful businesses. But when you ask them about it, it, it's almost never their first business. It's always their second business or third businesses. How do they come back from a failure? Um, and since Will was going to be this really heroic character, he needed to have a really really big failure, <laughs> which I lay down right at the beginning of the book. But even in that, he, you know, will in, you know, uh, throughout the story, I'm trying to talk in as vague terms as I possibly can. Right. You know, there's a lot of skill involved, but there's also a degree of luck, which you have to have. And I yeah. would say that even in that first chapter, there is a significant 
lucky break that happens to him because he could have been somewhere else and story's over. Right. So even though right. he's going through this catastrophic loss, this catastrophic like personal failure, um, he still sort of comes out on top. He's, he's in a place where he can salvage something yes. from it, right? And, and it could have been worse if he wasn't there. So as, as bad as this is, it, it could have been so much worse. Um, and, and so, yeah, there's definitely an element of luck to everything that he does. Um, and, and so what's fun about Will is how he perceives that luck. And sometimes he recognizes his luck and sometimes he thinks it's his own brilliance that got him there. And, and it totally wasn't. It was, it was just circumstances that, that worked out uh, for him or gave him a, the break that he needed. Well, it's like the old proverb, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Right on. Right um, on for sure. there's, a, there's a line that, and I, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it gives away too much, but because th- this is you know about halfway through the book. Uh, Threatening to tear down the delicately constructed peace treaty I have with my past. I thought that was a great line. Like awesome. I specifically wrote that down. I was like, that's such a great way to put it, especially given the circumstances surrounding what was happening at the time, because he right. just got that message, and uh, right. it's like his confidence really got shattered at that moment. And, and we all have things in our past that we don't like to think about, that we put away in a drawer and close that drawer. Um, but in Will's case, he's, it, it's a drawer with a lock, and another lock and welded shut and he's he's really pushed this away um but in this circumstance because it was going on around him he has no choice but to confront it it's it's pulled back into the forefront he has to address it um and and that's that that delicate peace treaty gets just blown to pieces i love the fact that will parker is a lovable asshole <laughs> you know that's exactly like, right that's what i wanted him to be <laughs> lovable asshole you know he gets his ass kicked in that first chapter and boy let me tell you reading that first chapter i was hooked i you had me for the rest of the book i i had to know i had to go on this this journey with will you know seeing how he was going to uh kind of rectify this whole situation and how he was going to to deal with it, you know, emotionally and physically. And, and, and you see that like it obviously, you know, you know, someone who's like, you know, they're overcompensating for something, but you don't want to bring it to their attention because you're afraid it might uh, jolt them a little bit. Like I, I feel that way about will sometimes. And it was really, really relatable because I know people like that. And will spent a lot of time, not confronting his pro like initially like it was like you know and you get into it in the book he spent a lot of time right. not dealing with this because he's absolutely well, and i love he's, the fact he, that he corrects people too he's not just an agent he's a special agent <laughs> he's special did special. i tell you Why i'm special forget the special <laughs> so so you know He's got that that arrogance that comes with that confidence, but at the same time, you know, he's got a he's got a good heart. He always wants to do the right thing. He always wants to help people. He always wants to um, see a positive outcome for everybody that that he meets and and has to deal with. 
um, which is why when he he joins the FBI, he he works on the types of cases that he does in the beginning. Um, he's always the kind of person that wants to just you know save the day, help people out, do something positive. Even w- with his company that he has at the start of the book, um, his idea is to do something amazing that changes the world and and makes people's lives better. Um, and I think that's part of what makes him lovable, even though he's he does some of the things that he does. Yeah, he's definitely not shy about letting you know, you know, like how well off he is, you know. This is my house. Like, <laughs> right. You know, like the, the, the checking into the hotel, uh, you know, with the with the hundred between the ID and the credit card or uh not understand I won't give away the line because it's brilliant, but not under uh not quite understanding the uh the purpose of the plastic owl. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that that was another great line that I really liked. Um But you know, but the thing about Will too is he's doing those things as he's as he's celebrating himself and celebrating Will Parker. He this is was really critical. He doesn't cut anybody else down. He doesn't build himself up by putting anybody else down. He just loves himself and, and gives him pats himself pats on the back on a regular basis. Um, and that's that that was something that I, I wanted to be there because, you know, you see you meet all these people in Silicon Valley. You see that confidence. You see that unbridled optimism. You see where they're going. Um, and and it's easy to be um, overwhelmed by that. And I didn't want everybody to be overwhelmed by Will. I wanted him still to be relatable. So, you know, we, we had to have him, you know, he's, he's a jerk because he's so confident to the point of arrogance, but he's um, not an irredeemable jerk because he didn't put anybody else down. So I was going to say if, but more like when, when your movie, uh, Phil, when your book is made into a movie, uh, who would you want cast as Will Parker? Or who could you see playing Will Parker in a movie? Um, you know what? You know who I would love to see as Will Parker is Chris Evans. Okay. Chris Evans, Chris Evans would be one of my top picks because he does that sort of bright-eyed, you know, earnest uh, kind of character like he does in Captain America, but I don't know if you saw Knives Out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yes. Oh, yeah. That's yes. what I was thinking. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so he's got that edge of, you know, slightly dickishness in Knives Out. So he can he can play that. He's got those two aspects that he could play Will Parker really well, I think. I was, you know, we were talking about this because we were talking about the different questions that we had as we were uh, walking earlier today, you know, kind of our show prep. And uh, I was thinking... Possibly uh, one of your Canadian compatriots, Ryan Reynolds. Definitely. Definitely. The sarcasm <laughs> that Will has with, with how he looks at some situations is a specialty of Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the best at it. Mm-hmm. And especially he's got that, uh, again, not without spoiling uh, some of the stuff that happens later in the book, I think would be perfect. And I could I could see him... You know when he when he throws his wallet to the kid, yeah. <laughs> like that whole encounter, that whole scene, I could see Ryan Reynolds and like you know just looking at it like, all right, I guess I'll just have to do you know make do with you know the best I can, you know. And again, I'm trying I'm trying to be as vague as possible. Like you know what I'm talking about, but I'm not. I know exactly what you're anything. talking about. 
it, that uh, would be the perfect scene for Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, it would be hilarious, but it would also like I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Smoke and Aces with him, but it was a rare, very dramatic. Like he was partnered with Ray Liotta. Like they were cops, really? and it's like he's playing it straight. Like he's kind of sarcastic, but he's more like on the level. And it's, it's really well done. If you haven't seen that, and that's, this goes to anybody in the audience, do yourself a favor and see this. Sam Rock, not Sam Rockwell, uh, Jeremy Piven, uh, Alicia Keys. Oh, wow. Ben Affleck. Like it's all about all these different assassins trying to take out one specific guy. And like, you find out why, and it's, it's insane. It's and it's just brilliantly done. So I I'm 100% recommend it. Smoke and Aces. Right Smoke and Aces. I have not seen the sequel, uh, but it seemed like the sequel just tried to one up the original, and that's tough to do. But if you've seen like Snatch or Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, oh, I love it. I it's love those. In that vein. So if you like those, you will love Smoke and Aces. Cool. I will definitely check that out. So. My next question for you is, uh, and I was writing this down before I, I read your uh, your bio or anything, because I was just trying to picture who you were based on what you were writing. Um, obviously, you go to conventions quite a bit. Uh, Definitely. So my question is, do you generally just attend? Do you ever do a booth? And how many cons did you attend for research purposes for free? <laughs> As far as Revenue Canada knows about, you mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I went. I I I love cons. We, my wife, uh, loves them too. We go on a regular basis. Um, you know, we there's some that we never miss, uh, like Fan Expo in Toronto. The nice. it's I think the second largest in North America. Oh, it's huge. Um, yeah, we have one in Boston. It's, it's huge. It's it's huge. And I I I we we do that every year. That's our big vacation. We we go. We love it. Um, I've not had a booth that's always just attending and just enjoying the experience. Um, but we've been to some other ones too and smaller communities and, and that's why I set it in a smaller comic con because I wanted Will to be sort of, he's a, he's a very urban guy and I wanted him to be out of his element a little bit, uh, by setting it in a smaller Midwestern con. And some of those cons can be, you know, more fun. I don't know, mm-hmm. not more fun, but a different kind of fun. Um, like if you go back, I've been going to cons for years and years and years and you go back to some of the fan run cons, uh, in the earlier days before they became these really enormous commercial events, all modeled on uh, San Diego comic-con. Um, and you go to some of those fan ones and the people that you meet there, the, the, the vibe is totally different. Um, you know, it was, those were, those were the greatest cons. I remember like you would go and hang out in the bar and actors would come down like, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, like Michael Hogan would come down and just be like, Hey, let's go drinking. And you're like, sure, let's go drinking. Like you're an actor and you just want to drink with us. This is great. Um, and like, are you in character, out of character? Hard to tell. And I don't really mind either way. So let's just go to the bar and, and uh, have some drinks. Um, you know, those, those cons were really great and they're, they're a super, super lot of fun to do, but I also really enjoy the really large cons. So we've been to a lot over the years. Yeah. We have, we have a couple around here. Um, cause we're in Massachusetts. Uh, we uh, we have uh, Rhode Island Comic Con, which is it's a small state, but it's huge. It it's a huge con, and 
it's great because you know there's a lot to do there's a lot of different celebrities there's a lot of different vendors there's so much you could drop a thousand dollars and not even realize it um, <laughs> I haven't because I've never had that much money with me so it's easy it's easy not to do if you don't have it uh, but you know like you were saying some of the smaller fan run cons like we did a con last year and you know they were actually they were trying to do like a podcast appreciation thing and they gave out awards like we got an award for best interview which was cool. super awesome um you know we uh, we had a horror con that we went to uh every year since she and I had been together so uh we'd gone since 2009 and you know it's again it's a smaller con but they got big name like Bruce Campbell was there last year you know they've had oh, nice. George Romero and and you know guys like that um, but you, because it's smaller and intimate, uh, it le- it's, it's not as crowded, you know, you don't feel as claustrophobic. Like, I'm sure you get those, you know, like, it's like, okay, Definitely. you know, we have to walk from this, this part of the building to the, to the other. And it's just this swarm of humanity and like, you start to get claustrophobic and it's like, but with some of these smaller cons, yeah, yeah. there could be a lot of people, but there's also more room I don't know why that is. Like, it could be the same amount of people, but they're spread out differently, and it's just you can breathe and you can, you know, talk to people. It's it's great. And when you're at those smaller cons, too, especially when, like, you mentioned going to a horror con, if you go to a con that is specific to one fandom as opposed to all of the fandoms, uh, it's a different vibe, too, because everybody is a fan of the same thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, you it makes that more intimate experience, not just because of the celebrities, you know, having maybe having a smaller audience, but you know, you feel that sense of connection with the fans that are around you, that you all can talk about the same thing at the drop of a hat. And and as opposed to when, you know, when you're at some of these big cons, there's people who are into anime and people who are into science fiction and people who are into horror and people who are into comics and people who are into gaming, um, which, you know, in the book, I wanted to bring in all of those different fandoms. Mm-hmm. But we've been to some cons that were, you know, even show specific. and And that actually can be even more strange than the big cons i mean you think about the big cons there's so many different cosplayers and all the the wild things you're going to see um but when you go to a small con that's show specific the people that are there are really 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 hardcore about that show and and that can be really different and interesting too yeah i would imagine that you know especially say 30 years ago a uh, star trek convention would be like you know really intense i we actually chatted with um, Brian O'Halloran from Clerks about that, you know, because oh, cool. one of the questions we would ask people is, you know, if you were to go to a con, like, who do you wait in line to see? And he talked about, like, you know, going to Star Trek conventions when he was a kid, you know, which makes sense, you know, because, you know, all those all those guys that are associated with Kevin Smith are big nerds, which. Of know, course, yeah. It's just apparent. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, like, it's it's cool like that, you know, it, especially, like, it, for somebody like us that's, a, we're podcasters, we're, we try to, you know, interact with some of these folks, and it's, you have to come up with something different that no one is going to ask, and no one has been asked. Like, that's part of the reason why we do getting into character. Like, when was the last time right. somebody asked you, like, what, what your personality would be if it was ice cream like it was an ice cream yeah no like never <laughs> like that's a different question the, the hard-hitting questions you know yes. <laughs> people want to know <laughs> well it's kind of like there was an interview that was just done with uh uh kamal nanjiani i'm probably butchering his name but uh the guy who was in stuber with uh dave batista 
and he's like, yes. I don't, I don't want to talk about this movie. I want to talk about like something random. So him and the interviewer rewatched Beastmaster and Krull, and they just talked about that. <laughs> that was their interview, and oh, it was brilliant. It was so good. Amazing. You got a oh wow. Well, so getting back to the book, the book. Uh, I mean, Will Parker is a genius, and this book is genius yes. because yes. the technology laced in this book is so believable and you know how you sometimes you read something like I uh, my my day job is a, a mad scientist so sometimes I read something like sci- I know you know I don't, don't want to say science fi- fiction but something that's science fiction but it's supposed to be like real and I'll right. read it and be like this th- what are you know that that's not that's not real life that's that's not happening other than that using an Erlenmeyer flask this is entirely inaccurate <laughs> right like it's just you just like shake your head you're like you know either go for go for the far-fetched and the sci-fi or or do your homework and make it real and I want to know a little more about your background because everything seems like it's plausible and everything seems like it's checked out and everything, you know, all the technology in this, in this book is just, it's mind blowing. But at the same time, you're like, I can see this happening. So I want to know what your background is and what, you know, you, was there any other research that you did uh, to make this book happen? Oh, thank you. And I really appreciate that you say that because that's one of the hardest things writing a techno thriller is getting the technology right. And and because like you say, you know, you can either go for like the whole science fiction angle, just suspend all your disbelief and just believe that this widget does, you know, whatever it does. Unobtainium. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and or you can go for sort of the the either the near future science fiction or that even closer where it's just one step beyond what we're doing today. Um, but then if you do that, there's people who are experts about this stuff and you, you need to get some of the details right enough that they're comfortable, um, suspending their disbelief and saying, yeah, okay, close enough. We can, we can run with that. Um, and then, you know, at the, on the other side, you need to make it accessible enough, uh, that the average person who's not a a hardcore techie, uh, can read it, grasp it, understand the significance, and it doesn't take them out of the story. So, you know, that's a really tough thing to balance. And I come from a corporate IT background. You know, I worked in, and like I started off programming mainframe computers. Uh, and then I was, uh, I went into hardware. So, you know, I'm setting up servers and computers and, and uh, on people's desks and everything. Right at the time, you know, we were moving away from old dumb terminals and, and mainframe terminals. Um, and so I had, I've always been a techie kind of person. Like I was, you know, enamored with, we had a computer in the classroom when I was in elementary school and, and I loved it. And, you know, I was one of the first kids in the school to have their own home computer. Everybody else was getting video game systems. Kind of regretted that at the time, but not now, you know, I, 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 the computer turned into a whole career for me, which I loved. Um, so I did all that. And then I was in, in, management of IT projects and everything from networking to hardware to software development and and all of that. But quantum computers, which plays a role in the book, is something that I've always been fascinated with as as a technology that's kind of just around the corner. Like we understand what they do conceptually. There have been some experiments with them. There are some functioning quantum computers in the world. Um, But in theory, what they're capable of is what's really significant in the book. And that gets really interesting. So 
but they don't do what yet what you, we suggest in the book what we talk about in the book so um and that is what makes it so exciting is this idea that oh it's been invented here's this thing and and th that everybody wants and everybody's after um but fortunately i i know someone who um has a PhD in quantum computing as it happens. Uh, and so, you know, they were a great resource to be able to bounce things off of kind of late in the game, but still, you know, fingers crossed, you know, give it a read and, and say, what do you think? And they're like, oh, actually it's, it's great. You know, it's, it, it, this is a little fair fetched right now, but you know, overall it works. So you get that stamp of approval from somebody who's a real expert in that technical area. Um, and then, you know, you, you get some other readers who don't know anything about technology to read it and if they don't get confused in the story then you know you've you've hit the mark yeah like i am not a big like techno thriller guy like that's not the genre i generally uh kind of gravitate towards but the way you pace the book certain scenes like it kept my interest i was never like oh how many more pages do i have you know it was more like Okay, you know what's what's happening next. I I wrote this down uh, again to avoid spoilers. The yoga scene, uh, <laughs> that whole thing that happened, like right before, right before it was like it was like oh okay this is kind of weird all right you know but all right he's a quirky kind of guy I can see him doing this and he's doing the yoga and then everything that happens after that when I'm really engrossed in a book I'm no longer reading it I'm watching the action unfold. And that's what happened with that scene uh, in particular. I was just like, oh, man, what's awesome. going to happen? It's like, oh, you know, I hope this person is okay. Um, and then you see what happens at the end of that scene. Like, it's just like I was seeing it. I wasn't reading the words anymore. And like, and that's great. That's great. You're already seeing the movie. And was it Ryan Reynolds? That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I don't want to spoil who, who I... Because this is a, this is a different character, um, but uh, I, I have some ideas. I will say, uh, if we're, we're just going to talk about uh, casting real quick, Dana Lopez, I could see Rosario Dawson. Oh, totally. That's a good pick. Yeah, uh, for sure. Because I think she's she's got the look, and she's got the action chops. I was say like she kicks ass. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Dana's a great character, by the way. I know we're we're focusing more on Will Parker, the the main character, but you have some great side characters that really add to the story. Oh, Decker, Decker is is Michael Coulter. Yeah, that's that's what I saw. I saw Michael Coulter from uh, Luke Cage. Yep, like no nonsense. Yep, I can see that. Like I can see that. I love the fact that like, and it would be great having him in that role because he's part of like a nerdy fandom for him to be like, I don't get any of these pop culture references. Like that would be funny. Like that would be a good, a good, I mean like I, double meaning there. Yeah. Perfect. Like it would be, it would be awesome. Um, some of the, some of the characters like, and it's weird. And I think he's too old to do it, but um, I'm um, Charles Farber. I wrote it down. Um, Either Danny DeVito or Dennis Franz. I think they're a little too old, but definitely Dennis Franz from uh, Die Hard Two. Dennis Franz would be Absolutely. so good as that character, totally like just this abrasive prick. Just like, oh my god, 
Like, oh, I hate this guy so much. Like, because you do. Uh, for sure. And you should. He's he's completely despicable. And uh, the kid, Nick, I would uh, definitely have uh, Finn Wolfhard because he seems like he could be a total dick. Oh, yeah. Especially in yeah. The, the turning. I haven't seen it. I've just seen the trailers. But, yeah. Um, I know we're we're getting a little off topic, but like some of these characters, like you know, this is who I was picturing as I'm reading this because you you give a, a a description, but you kind of you don't go like you know he is this tall and there's a scar on his left cheek and you know he's this you know he's uh, you know shoe size twelve you know you kind of let folks uh, it makes it really hard to cast later on yeah if you do that, you know? <laughs> well I mean you you kind of also let folks fill in the blanks like this is who I see but you know. Somebody else might see someone else like, well, I think, you know, Idris Elba would be great as Decker, which he would because he's great oh, at yeah. everything. But like, you know, what I see is going to be different from what somebody else sees, like the the way I'm playing these things out in my head as I'm reading it, you know, and that's that to me is a, a, a really good sign in a writer where they don't inundate you with details. Plus, as a writer... Uh, it's a lot easier to maintain consistency, and especially like you were talking about with the tech stuff. Like if you go through and it's like, it's like, uh, excuse me, uh, he was wearing blue socks, and you say he was wearing <laughs> light blue socks. Uh, are we supposed to believe these are magic socks? Oh yeah, yep, yeah. I have a, a friend who is uh, a best-selling author, and early on in her career, um, you know, I think she was three or four books in maybe five and somebody at a con uh, approached her with a with an inconsistency from her second book and, she, and he's like did you mean this that on page this you said this and on page that you said something different and you know my friend was like very honest and said i don't even remember writing either of those so you know it's really hard <laughs> to go back to a tiny detail like that um so you know the the less you do that as a writer the more you let your reader fill in the blanks for themselves um, the easier it is for you and the more vivid a picture your reader is going to have in their own mind of, of seeing whatever it is, however they're envisioning it in their mind. Uh, some things you need to be specific about because there's, you know, a plot point that pivots mm -hmm. on that. There's, there's, a, there's a reason something has to be a certain way. Um, and then beyond that, you're just, you're just doing set dressing and you want to create an environment that is immersive for the reader, uh, but not overwhelming. Uh, because you know what, when you start reading too many details like that too, the thing that I always fear as an author uh, is that the reader is disconnected from the story. Yeah. You know, they lose that pace. Like you're talking about that pace that keeps you in. I don't want to break that pace by describing something. There's an, another author who shall remain nameless writes about sparkling vampires. Um, who <laughs> spent an awful lot of time in the first book describing clothing. Yes. And for me, that, that you know, I, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that you've envisioned it this way. And, but does it really matter how lacy the top is for what's about to happen in the scene? So, you know, and that kind of broke the pace for me a bit in those stories. And I didn't want that to happen. I found the same thing happens with uh, George R.R. R. Martin puts a lot of detail like, you know, he describes the clothing that people are wearing, you know, and yes. it's, you know, it can be it can take you out of it a little bit. You know, I learned this when I was younger. I was writing a story and I was like, okay, this guy is you know, taking a bunch of stuff from a, a camping store and like, I gotta make sure I put liter list literally everything he could possibly pull out of this duffel bag later on. So people can't say that I was inconsistent. And now it's just like, no, he grabbed a bunch of stuff. 
you know, he grabbed the supplies he thought he needed, threw them in a bag, and then later on, it's like, oh, it's cold. Well, let me pull out my matches. Or, oh, I'm thirsty. Oh, I just remembered I grabbed a canteen. Instead of listing, like, literally everything I possibly could. (laughs) The full list, right? And it was just like, I was like, I don't even want to write this. No one's going to want to read this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then, you know, you, you kind of lock yourself into a corner, too, because then maybe you don't want them to have something to start a fire. But if, you know, you list all this stuff out at the beginning, you know, you, you lose options later on as you're, as you're writing the story. Why didn't he use and, his poncho that you clearly stated he had? Right. Oh, he can't get wet. He's got a poncho. And he, like, forgot. Oh. he forgot. <laughs> he forgot about the poncho. He forgot the poncho. No, as a as a reader, it's always nice that the uh, when the author has enough confidence in us as a reader to use our imaginations and fill in those blanks. And uh, you know, I appreciated that you did that because it oh, didn't take away you. it didn't take away from the story. And the character that I was envisioning is slightly different from the character that, you know, Patrick was envisioning. And it's going to be slightly different from, you know, the character that other readers are going to envision. But at the end of the sure. day, it's all the same character and it's all the same story. But it's almost like a Remember those choose your own adventure stories that were really big oh, back yeah. in the day? It's kind of like a little bit of that. You choose know, you your leave, own protagonist. You leave enough mystery, you know, uh, appearances and what have you, you know, to let the let the reader fill in the blank. So it's like they choose their own story, and it makes a book highly rereadable because you know it's like, well, yes. I read it this way. And, you know, I know the story is going to be the same, but maybe, you know, I'm in a different headspace, you know, than a year or two since I last read this story. So maybe I'm going to envision something else, you know, definitely. so that I mean, you, you definitely don't want to read the camping list, you know, three or four times, <laughs> right? not even once. <laughs> well, I, I and, and that's the thing, you know, like. You know, you you envision this person like I'm reading it and it's like, oh, you know, these are, you know, movies I tend to watch. You know, Ryan Reynolds could play this character, but you know who else could be? Will Smith could be this character because there's oh, yeah. th- there's no like, oh, no, he is a, a white guy, you know, with blonde hair. Like, you know, you say, you know, Chris, Chris Evans, like it could be Will Smith. It could be, you know, Miguel Pena. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it could be anybody. It could be Simu Lu, you know, it could be anyone. Right, like there's no, no specific, you know, like you 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 mentioned, you know, uh, like with with Dana, like the reason that I thought of um, Rosario Dawson is there's another line that you put in. It's on page one hundred twenty-three. So I made sure I write that down. I got it right here. And it's uh, well, let me see. She's got she's got the book. Hold on, because I want to make sure I get it exactly right. Um. And this is after the yoga scene. And mm-hmm. it says, uh, she looks pissed. Cops part in front of her like a school of tuna in front of a shark. Like, <laughs> and I, I'm imagining her, because she's a tall, imposing person, and then people just scattering off to the side. That's presence right there. Yes. And, and intensity. She has that. Like, she's got the really fierce eyes. Like, even her character in, you know, the, the Netflix series, the Night Nurse character. With uh, you know yep. Daredevil and all those all those guys like the Defenders series, um, she didn't have powers or she didn't have abilities, but she was still like fierce and like I'm not putting up with your shit. And that's what I saw with 
uh, with Dana Lopez. With Dana, yeah, she's she's a force to be reckoned with. She's she's confident as well, um, but in a very different way from Will. Like Will's just got this 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 confidence is like a bright light that he follows around, and for Dana, it's a more um, it's a confidence that comes from being hard earned rather than mm. from just being brilliant. Um, you know, she went through without giving anything away. She went through her own um, challenges to arrive where she is and be the really competent, um, successful detective that she is. And that that remind and I don't want to spoil it, so I will uh, mention it off air uh, before we we uh, wrap up because that reminded me of a different film. I think that was an homage to uh, to something as well. Um, but yeah, she was just. She's such a a force, like, and you know, there's you know, there's a a Han Solo reference too, and I, I'm it's a little more grown up, you know. Oh, like, you were great, I know. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's definitely a Han Solo reference. It, it has to be. It a hundred percent is. <laughs> okay. It absolutely is. And that's another. You that's know, another that's something he would say too. <laughs> absolutely, a hundred percent. And and it's perfect. The just the dynamic that I set it up is yes. there, like without it's, giving it any away. So. Swing and a, a clear hit. Like I was like, this is good. Like <laughs> as a nerd, as someone who likes to pull really deep cuts out of like my thing is like I am encyclopedic when it comes to the Simpsons. Yeah. Um, and don't think I missed Peter Griffin either. Um, <laughs> like I was like, okay, that one's obvious. Some of these are a little tougher to get. Um, like I appreciate the deep cut and like, it's like, okay, I see the situation. I know what's going on. Yeah. You know, especially where you talk about, you know, some other things that are in the story. So my question, because you talk about a lot of different fandoms, I have a guess, and I, I gave you my guess earlier off air. But uh, what would you consider to be your dearest fandom? Like, what's what's the one that you're like? I could give up everything, but this. Oh, you know what? Um, it it's for me. It's got to be Star Wars. But that's it's that's an answer with a big asterisk on it, right? Mm -hmm. Because Star Wars has there's been so much Star Wars put out there, and and so for me, it's always going to be the original trilogy. Like that that is the essence of star wars to me it's it's what i saw when i was a kid it's what i grew up with it's what caused me to dream you know I, like we all went out and stood on a mound of dirt and looked at the sunset and wanting to be luke skywalker you know that is that is the star wars that's near and dear to me not so much some of the prequels and, and things that came after as you know the universe became bigger and bigger which is great there's more stories um, but at, at times it feels like it dilutes the power of the original a little bit. So, you know, it's definitely my, my biggest fandom. <clears throat> and I'll say this though, that when the, ma the uh, Mandalorian came out, we were talking about this a little bit that rekindled that for me, like that really recaptured that essence of original star Wars for me. Um, even just down to like the used universe that George Lucas created, that things aren't shiny and new and perfect in a Star Trek kind of sense, but, you know, dirty and used and broken and people inhabit this and live here. Uh, I love that about the Mandalorian. Yeah, it's, there's definitely, uh, you know, you can tell the difference. And, you know, it's funny you bring up the Mandalorian because that kind of brings me into my next my next point about your story is, you know, Dave Filoni and 
uh, John Favreau have a deep love for Star Wars, and you know you can yes. tell with like how they crafted the story. You know the fact that Mando uses you know Boba Fett's gun from the Christmas special that like n- almost <laughs> nobody would. No get. one knows. You have the the Kowakian monkey lizard roasting on a spit. Like yes, I love that. Like I love little, that, and the These fact details. that. And, you know, of course, it's the, a huge sensation now. But when I first saw the child, my jaw hit the floor because even in the expanded universe, there's like five of his species counting that one. Yes. So it's yes. like, what is this? Like, it blew my mind. And, you know, I can tell reading your book that there is a deep love of all of the subject matter. It's not just like, oh, I have a background in tech. Let me show that off. It's like there's a love for it there. Like you like your gadgets. Mm-hmm. You let, you know, we were talking a little bit off air about like the, the charging station that you have. You know, and that was one yes. of my questions. Like I bet he has a lot of like little gadgets and things like that. You know, I, I, I pegged you for a guy with an Apple Watch because Will uses the <laughs> Apple Watch and the iPhone so much. Like yeah. this is someone with intimate knowledge. But then you have all these fandoms that you're talking, you know, Doctor Who, you know, the thing about the red fez that comes in towards the end of the yeah. story. Yep. Like, yep. where are we yep. going to find a red fez? It's like, oh, <laughs> red fez is everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, talking about like the different video games, like the VR stuff, talking about like, you know, like. What are those weird people with the gold balls on them? Oh, those are Daleks. Like, there's just, <laughs> there. you know, you can see, like, when he's, uh, when Will's rooting through the T-shirts for Dana, like, oh, you need to blend in. Like, you know, do you like this? Do you like this? She's like, oh, no, Harry Potter. It's like, definitely yeah, Hallows. Boom. Like There it is, Harry Potter. Like, there's, there's so much, and, like, you can tell that there's a love not only of conventions, but of the subject matter that you find there. And... Honestly, I think this book is coming out uh, at a very good time because people are, you know, we've we've done a couple of shows about this. People are really missing conventions. Like yeah. there are mm-hmm. several that we would have already attended during this quarantine period, and you know, more coming up that are in jeopardy. And it's like, man, like this, you know, as you're reading it, you're like. I'm there. I can almost smell like the throngs of people that are, you know, kind of cosplaying, but like, you know, they're putting the bare minimum of effort in the same right. as they do with their hygiene. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I'm Captain Con- America. Con- what? Talking about con funk there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't miss that. Yeah. Con- <laughs> Definitely don't miss that. It's like, I'm Captain America. Based on what? I have a hat and sunglasses. I'm incognito. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, that's every single Marvel character that's incognito. He has a hat and sunglasses. I don't know who he is. Like, you don't know Captain America? Yeah, you know, because he totally changes. It's like the Clark Kent factor, right? I mean, yeah. you, you put on some glasses and you're no longer... Where did you know, Superman go? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm really glad you pulled out that t-shirt scene because that was really... Uh, important to me when I wrote it because you know Dana is very th- much this this you know tough uh, professional uh, police detective um, and Will is this this creature of you you get the sense right away he being in California being in tech and and he's into the fandoms as well um, so he's going through these t-shirts and she's like no 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 
uh, and gets to Harry Potter and, and she says, you know, well, yeah, of course, who doesn't love Harry Potter? Yeah. And that's the great thing about these big fan cons is that, you know, you know, everybody out there is a fan of something. Everybody out there has some story that they love. Um, and they all get celebrated at the comic cons. And there's so many people that love Harry Potter that, you know, may not be into Doctor Who or Battlestar Galactica or, you know, some of the other sci-fi things. And there are people who are in Lord of the Rings who aren't into, you know, uh, Harry Potter. And there's the hardcore science fiction people who are like, give me Battlestar Galactica or give me death who are not interested in Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. But, you know, there's something for everybody at a fan con. And that's what's so magical about it, that even Dana gets brought into this environment as they're as they're solving this mystery. Yeah, it's it's great. And, it, you know, like you're saying, like, it's a great way to show that, like, there's no you're probably around the same age as I am. Um you know, when we're kids, you know, we're in, when we're in high school, like, it's not cool to like comics. It's not cool to right. like Dungeons and Dragons. Like, Ash and I just recently got in. We did our first campaign a couple weeks ago. Uh, we'd never awesome. played before, but, you know, we have some friends that are like, hey, we're running an online, like, tutorial. I have one kid who's going to be a first-time dungeon master. Like, we need somebody to play. And it's like, this is great. I'm using my imagination and I'm crafting this world and I'm like talking about my character. I'm like, oh, this is what he looks like. This is who he is. This is his backstory. Like, it's great. But like now, like everything is so mainstream, like, and these cons are so big. Like, we have met so many people and, you know, found like, it's like, oh, I love your shirt. Like, that's a deep, a rawhead Rex. Like, that's such a great shirt. I love Clive Barker. Like, yeah. But if you wear that shirt like anywhere else, people are like, "What the hell is that? Is that a band?" <laughs> yeah. You like Rawhead Rex? Name three of their songs. Like it's a, it's a movie. Like you know, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like, "Oh, you're so weird." It's like, yes, and so and these are all my fellow weirdos. Like, and and here's sixty thousand other people who are weird like me. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it's, know, yeah, it's it, great. There's there's such a positive environment at a con. Like everybody's. Like, let your freak flag fly, and everybody's okay with that. Whatever you're into, we're just happy that you're into something right. and, and having a good time with it. And, it, you know, it is really strange right now. Like, my wife and I would have gone to at least one con by mm-hmm. now as well. And, we, and officially, Fan Expo Canada has not been canceled yet, but I, I don't see how it's going to be able to run. Uh, I don't think we're going to get from we can't have more than five people gather together in the province of Ontario right now to 60,000 people crammed into, you know, a single room um, in in August. I don't think there's going to be a way that that's going to happen. And that's that's a real heartbreaker. Yeah. But yes, read Broken Genius and it's like you're there. You're you're teleported right to a con. It really is. And, you know, reading this, you know, again, I, like I said, I, I read the book before I went onto your Amazon author page, before I read the back of the book, you know, and uh, Angela had sent me some of the, some of the information that's also there, but like, I wanted to ignore that. And it's like, okay, let me see what this guy writes about and see if I can get an idea of like (laughs) what he's like. And, you know, I think I, I got a fairly good picture. It's like, okay, this guy clearly has been to a ton of cons, like, because there's certain things like, you know, when the guy's complaining about uh, electricity, it's like, well, they don't include that. And it's like, yeah, that's that's like an right. extra hundred yep. bucks for the weekend because <laughs> we've had a booth like we've you know, we're part of a network now, you know, with this podcast. You know, we had our first booth last June at uh, Scaricon, 
which was weird. It's and it's a totally different experience having a booth to just wandering around. It's yeah. so different. It's like I have a home base. Like I can put my stuff down, but then it's like, oh, we both have to leave to go to you know a panel, or we both have to leave to go to. It's like we don't know anybody. Like we don't know this guy next to us. Hey, you want to watch our booth? Absolutely. And like yeah. that's oh, yeah. that's the camaraderie that you get at these places. Mm-hmm. Like we we met a couple of young ladies that were telling us that like we feel more safe at horror conventions than we do in our own home because uh, one of them was transgender and like they get uh, mercilessly yeah. bullied and they're like we had a blast chatting with these folks we talking with them they were like best friends with Felissa Rose and she was like oh my god oh, I wow. love like she's like she remembered them she's like oh yeah they're so great I love them they're the best um you know and again with a small con we did a, a raffle and Felissa Rose came over and pulled our raffle for us like it was just oh, the coolest that's thing amazing. that's so cool yeah and like if you ask people stuff like it's weird like it's like hey you know would you mind doing a promo for my for my uh for my podcast sure all right you know we're already over here talking like sure yeah it's so fun i had tara strong record um a voicemail message for me amazing like the outgoing hey this is raven drew can't come to the phone right now it was it was super fun oh that's That's so cool but this book would be the perfect book if you were ever thinking of vending at a convention, you know, being a, being a guest at a convention. This book is perfect for, you know, to, to sell at a convention. Because Does people give you would some eat behind it up. the scenes stuff. Yeah, people would just eat it up. Count your time that, turners, that, though. Being a guest <laughs> at, at a con would be, like, dream come true. That would be amazing. Like, put me in the green room. Let me get back there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be cool. And, you know... Again, like this is a really well done book that would definitely lend itself uh, really easily to a film adaptation. Um, it it reads almost like an episode of Black Mirror. Oh little, yeah, which yeah. I really enjoyed. You know, with the like you know just kind of going back to the technology and stuff. You know, where everything it's not current, but it doesn't seem too far out of reach. You know, no, and, it's not, and it's not it does. It's not like, you know, there's like flying spaceships and, and crazy stuff like that. Oh, they it, stole the like teleporter. Kind of like an alternate universe, <laughs> right. you know, for, for it's and the I, not too distant future. Yeah. <laughs> next Sunday, A.D. Right. <laughs> um, so my last question for you is what is next for Will Parker? Will we see him again? Oh, that's actually a, a, the almost exactly worded question that I have to <laughs> You know, the same minds or something, you know. A mime is a terrible something. thing to waste. Yeah, that. <laughs> well, Will, 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 there will be another Will Parker uh, story. And, and I have a really clear idea of what that is. I have to be really careful what I say, though, because the, the book ends in a way that can be ambiguous. And yes. I don't want to take that away. Um, and and give an answer, a definitive answer to that question. But there are more adventures in his future, and they will have to do with technology. Um, and it will be in along the same vein. And that what the technology will be doing, um, nobody's doing today, uh, but they could tomorrow, um, like literally tomorrow. Like it's it's that close. This technology that that would be featured in his next adventure. See, I will say though. Um... 
I could tell that there was going to be another another one of these because it does say a Will Parker thriller right on the front. Aside from that on the cover, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and this is the first book he wrote. Clearly, he's he's got ambition. But I mean, I it think, could I be. Think if you even look on the Amazon listing, it says book one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there are like. With the Stephen King Dark Tower universe, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with that, but yes. there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of books. One of them, Bag of Bones, they're like, oh yeah, this is totally connected, and I read it because I was like huge into that universe, and it's like, oh, they talk for two seconds about the guy that was in uh, Insomnia, like he he has like three lines, and like it takes place at a similarly named location as a major event in book six. But like, that's it. The story doesn't revolve around. Right. It. But it's like, it's like the loosest of, of, uh, that would be like calling rogue one, a Darth Vader story. Right. Exactly. No, this will be Will Parker's next adventure will be a lot of will, but there's also going to be, um, I'm I'm pulling forward some of the secondary characters from this book. Will have a larger role uh, in the second book, especially based on feedback from my agent. She there's one character she absolutely adores in the book, Bradley, and mm-hmm. she says, "I want more Bradley." Like I just want, <laughs> however you do it, I want more Bradley. Bradley's the guy in the chair, right? Yeah, he's yeah, he's and he's it's remote. weird, and it's weird that like a guy like Will. Needs a guy in the chair, but like, you know, at the same time, he's out doing, you know, boots on the ground. Right. You know, there were, and right. I will say, That's the dynamic. I was, uh, as I was reading through this, and, you know, I, I came out because I read it first, and I said to her, I was like, I know who did it. It's, you know, either this person or this person. It's one of the two, especially after a certain event happened. <laughs> that threatened to uh, destroy the treaty. Right. But shortly after that, I find out about one of the characters, and I was like, all right, I was wrong there. And then I found out about another one, and I was like, okay, so I was wrong both times. And the ending was so satisfying. Like, when you find out, like, all the threads get tied up, which I like. And Super perfect. And... It's like, okay, there's still room for more because, like, you want to know what happens with these other characters, uh, especially, like, the relationship with Decker. I'm curious yeah. about that going forward. Yes. Um, but, like, like everything... Decker's, Decker's coming back. Like, like oh, he's, he's, he's a great character. Got he's such to. a great foil for Will. And, you know, whether it's in the, in the next book or, or after that, Decker... I loved him. I loved, I loved creating him. I love the dynamic between him and Will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I definitely want more of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad when you started saying, you know, hey, I, I had this guess it was going to be person A or person B. I'm like, oh, no, um, he guessed it right away. That's no good. But, you know, I'm glad that it was a, a surprise right through to the end. And yeah. yet satisfying. You yes. didn't feel like they cheated you. No, not at all. Not at all. No, there was, uh, there was not... Like there was, it was a satisfying conclusion. Um, I liked how like each thread was wrapped up, and for some reason, um, and I'm I'm drawing a blank on the the character, the 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 celebrity that he was like a huge fan of. And I'm yeah, Jerry. 
Jerry Oldham, yes. All I could think of was Sam Jones from Flash Gordon. I don't know <laughs> why, but like that's I just kept picturing Sam Jones. <laughs> I, I that's probably like the farthest thing, but like that's who I kept picturing. No, that's great. And everybody can picture yeah. they can fill in their 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 own favorite for that character because we they're in every fandom there is an actor who fills that role um shatner shatner for sure (laughs) you know jerry's a lot younger than shatner but you know yes in spirit yes indeed yeah um or you know um there's 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 one of those in every fandom and and there he is and it can be everybody's favorite to fill in the blank there there is somebody that i had in mind when when i wrote it but um yeah it can be anybody's it can be anybody so I just have one last question before I let you go. And uh, it's kind of a little bit about uh, Will and you, because you said there's a little bit of you and Will. Um, and I think that's true of most characters. There's a little bit of mm-hmm. a sprinkling of your personality in, in every character. Um, because, like, you know, sometimes it's like, well, how would I react if I didn't have a conscience to this? You know, or right. how, would I, how would I handle this? You know, so... Tropical blend is that your coffee of choice? That is, um, you know, it's funny. You should, that's a great question because when I when I, in the first draft of the book, I had, um, I, I was super specific about the coffee. It was it was like these beans from this location, and you know that my agent was like, no, okay, no, 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 that's too much, too much detail. You need to make this more accessible. You may need to make this simpler, uh, which I did. Um, but yes, it's, I am a, like I say, a coffee nut and, you know, I love, uh, Hawaiian coffee. I love, uh, I've been to Kona in, on the big Island in Hawaii. I've had the, the, the coffee like right from there. That's fantastically expensive to get it shipped, you know, all the way from there, uh, to here. But there's a coffee place, uh, in my city in a, a market, um, downtown. It's like a big indoor farmer's market that's open every day of the year. And there's a coffee place in there called Has Beans. It's it's a pun. H A S B E A N S Has Beans, um, and they are fantastic. And I've experimented with so many different coffees from them. My favorite right now is Aroma Nica from Nicaragua, um, but uh, they are delivering during the pandemic. And I'd ordered back in like January. I bought like five or six pounds of coffee, and I was starting to run low. And so I emailed um, the owner because he's doing all these home deliveries and said, you know, bring me, you know, I want, you know, this, a pound of this and a pound of that and two pounds of this and then surprise me. And, you know, I've been going to him for so long now. He's like, no problem, Drew. I, I, I know what you like. I've got something for you. And, you know, it shows up on my doorstep and there's a couple of half pounds of different things to try in there. And, and <laughs> I'm just so excited to try something new when it comes to coffee. I love coffee. We'll have to send you a uh, a bag of uh, of deadly grounds. Yes, that would um, be awesome. We'll we'll have you pick out a flavor and we'll we'll have it sent up to you. Um, I will say though, um, I liked the fact that he was like, "Oh, I like this, you know, this particular coffee," because it kind of struck me as like, "I'm pretty much a billionaire. I've got all this fancy stuff, but like, I love gas station coffee. Like, it's just like one of those weird quirks that you would expect from someone like that. Like." One of these weird eccentricities. 
he'll he'll drink he hasn't met a coffee he doesn't like really i mean he's 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 a bit of a coffee snob like he's got his i want my special blend and i want my this and you know i'm in this small town and they're not going to have all the the special whatever and that's a thing from california people you know whatever they get into they really get into and if it's you know fancy coffee then there's like the special place that everybody goes to to get the fancy coffee so he's he's got that in him because he's a he's a, a son of california um but when it comes right down to it, he'll he'll meet the need. He'll feed the beast with whatever's available, including and, in the police station, <laughs> and including the police station. Yes, and and you know, there's other characters that have that relationship with coffee too. Like Decker at the very beginning mm-hmm. gives his, you know, back in Kandahar, this is the kind of coffee we had, and you know, everybody's got a caffeine connection somewhere in 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 the book. So. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to write. There was research there, too. Oh, yeah, you got to try different stuff. It's like, oh, you know what? Like, this is the type of flavor that I think this character would go with. You know, like, Definitely. I, I see Dana as, if, if I were to pair her with Deadly Grounds, uh, Hell's Fury, very dark roast. That's what I think that she would drink, and she'd drink it black. Yep, yep, power it straight down. Yep, hot, yep. black, for sure. Well, uh, Ashes, do you have anything else, or...? I just really want a coffee now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, but if I drank one now, I would be up all night. But now I just I have a, I have a hankering. I'm gonna have to go sniff a bag of coffee during oh, our next break. Yeah, like, <laughs> at least for Ooh. something, yeah. But uh, Drew, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, this was awesome. This was a great conversation, and uh, we would love to have you back. You know, not just to talk about Will Parker, but, you know, anything, any character you want to talk about, like, let's let's it. do it. Absolutely. I love it. I come back anytime. Let's talk fandoms. Let's let's do it for sure. hundred percent. So where can people find you and where can people buy Broken Genius? Ah, excellent question. So all my social media handles are the same. I was lucky that way. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's all at Drew Murray Books. And my website is drewmurraybooks.com. And uh, so you'll be able to find me there. And as far as the book, you can buy the book anywhere books are sold. You can buy it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, Walmart, Indigo in Canada. Uh, wherever you can buy books, it should be available. Perfect. And that and that drops on uh, June 2nd. Tuesday, June, June 2nd. 2nd. Yep. yep. So a couple days from now, if you're listening to this when this episode drops. And uh, yeah, Drew, thanks. And we will absolutely reach out again. Uh, feel free to hit us up uh, on our personal end. And, you know, when you when you decide to write the next book in this series, if you want to, you know, throw, you throw a copy our way and come back <laughs> on and it. chat some more, I would love to, love to, love, love to, it. love to have you back. And when they do the movie, you know, if we right? have casting questions, <laughs> we know where to go. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Just, just bring my them our is, way. My fee is nominal. <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't charge much. So, but yeah, oh, that's great. Thank you so much, and uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, and uh, I think with that, we will be right back. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? Do have a free. The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. 
from horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of The Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Hi, I'm Patsy the Angry Nerd, lover of science and sharks. And I'm Ashes Von Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the, the hosts host of, of the Throwdown Thursday, Thursday podcast. podcast, part of the Somebodies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we, and we will, will see you next Thursday. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. And we are back. Man, that was that was a really good interview. Like what a really like cool guy. And like you guys didn't even get to hear like the forty five minutes off air. There's so much stuff that's on the cutting room floor that you guys will never be able to hear because it's just chock full of spoilers and that's not how we roll right now. And we just nerded out talking about like different nerd stuff. Everything. Which was awesome. <laughs> like so good. So good. Like it's awesome to talk to someone who clearly knows their stuff. Just in general. Yes. You know, he's a very smart man. Like he he's a a college professor obviously has had several jobs quite a background and but his his knowledge of different nerddoms and fandoms it's it's just awesome i love people like that yeah and it's it's good to see someone who's passionate about certain things and you know they say write what you know and clearly he knows fandoms i know that i'm sleepy and i know that you're sleepy too so we uh we know we're we're creeping towards an hour and a half so we're going to let you guys off the hook uh, in a few minutes. But uh, before we do, uh, we, of course, have to announce the battle results from we last week's battle. Do. So last week, we threw down the Carry On My Wayward Son, Battle of the Carrie Elways characters. Anything goes, 
to the pain, sandbox the warehouse from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now you could choose from Robin Hood from Robin Hood Men in Tights, Wesley from The Princess Bride, Dr. Lawrence Gordon from Saw, or Dr. Jonas Miller from Twister. And both Facebook and Twitter are in agree agreement that Wesley, I, Wesley uh, would win. I forget who I, I think the, I voted for. The Dread Pirate Robert. I think I voted for, uh, for Wesley. He did, he did a lot. It's either Wesley or Robin Hood. I forget which, but definitely not Jonas. Jonas was a tool bag. But I mean, like he was kind of a, like kind of a badass because no, he chased he, it, chased it because chased he chased it. He chased it the wow. winds. He chased. <laughs> I was gonna say it again. <laughs> chased tornadoes. That's it. That's the thing I can't say. Yes. 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 And you know, Doctor Lawrence Gordon sawed his freaking foot off. And he ended up becoming an apprentice. He did. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert for a movie that's like 10 years old. Yeah. And most people didn't make it past three. So, you know, that's one of those franchises that after the third one, it kind of fizzled, but it gained momentum again after, you know, there was a couple of, of eh films. I think but we I need think to revisit the, that. I think maybe after the was it the sixth one, seventh one? Well, the sixth one. The seventh one, I think, is the final. Well, well, the the final chapter. Yeah, anytime quote, you see a, a horror movie that says the final chapter, like you know, how many more Friday the Thirteenth were there after the final chapter? Like six. <laughs> I love. Well, I mean, like you really can't call it quits until you go to space. Yeah, but see, Hellraiser went to space in the third one, and there's like eight of those. They did five more after they went to space. And they replaced Doug, Bra I almost called him Doug Bryan, uh, Doug Bradley twice with different acting guys. I want to see a Chatterer movie. Like, that's. Chatterbox. Chatterer. Not Chatterbox. You always call him Chatterbox. Chatterbox. His name is Chatterer. Box. No, oh my god. <laughs> so, um, what do we have coming up? Next week is a surprise. We're not telling you. It's a surprise. <laughs> but uh, we do have some really fun stuff. I know we say this every freaking week, but but I mean it. We have another really great interview in the works, and we're going to be discussing Elizabeth Bathory when when we have this uh, this person on. Yeah, so I'm really excited because she's probably my favorite historical character. And we have the uh, Todd McFarlane uh, figure of her. And turns out that we actually have a rare one. And uh, Why our, is it rare? Because she's got uh, blood dripping from her foot. Like it's a specific... Like a variant? It's a weird variant. And our guest actually, you know, when I you know, brought this up... He's like, oh, do you have this one or this one or this one? Because there were three of them. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I have to look. And we have the uh, not super rare, but rare variant. Oh, I know what the other one is. The uncensored one. We do oh. not have the uncensored one, but oh. we do have the bloody foot one. So, like, that was a, it's a weird variant where, like, there's blood dripping from her foot into the tub. But, like, that's all it is. Like, there's no difference between that and the... Uh, like the, the other version, like the mass-produced one. So 
Yeah, she's very interesting, and if you saw Hostel 2, uh, someone tries to emulate her and kills poor Heather Matarazzo. So, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll be uh, doing that. Next week is going to be a surprise. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe that'll be next week. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking we could I know, always you know revisit what's Jigsaw. What's guaranteed so is awesome. that there's going to be an episode next Thursday. Yes, as there has been for the past 205 five, weeks. Five. Yes, I almost five. did 206 earlier. I couldn't remember. <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we we had um, had a good time today. Like this was a really good. Uh, really good interview uh we had a hell of a good time even off air and i absolutely recommend this book it goes on sale in a few days june 2nd get it i'm probably going to order it even though we have uh a reader copy but like i'm probably going to order it just to support him support independent artists support independent authors all independent creators like you know that's our our, our mantra here on this show so we want to make sure we do that and but this seriously, is a good way to yeah, do it. Yeah, definitely look for Broken Genius by Drew Murray. We'll be putting links to it on all of our social medias. So look for that. Yeah, or you can just search Drew Murray Broken Genius on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're going to go into a bookstore. I don't think bookstores are open. I don't know. Maybe where you are, bookstores are open. But I'm not going to get into what's open where. Uh, Amazon is open. BarnesandNoble.com. The internet is always open. Yeah. Um, so yeah oh uh, this coming week on Shark Bites we are going to be discussing Robin Hood Men in Tight so we kind of continue our Carrie Elways are you going discussion. to sing the songs absolutely I, I mean I will <laughs> I don't know if anybody else will uh, I have three guests lined up we're trying to make sure that uh, everybody can join um, and they're definitely folks that you've talked to before or heard from if you are familiar with the network and uh, but they would all be two out of the three would be first time guests on uh, on Shark Bites. So hoping we can get that hammered out. And um, Shark Bites hammered out. Because <laughs> uh, hammerhead buns. is a, hammerhead shark is buns. a type of shark. Uh. So I think so, with that being said, unless you had something else. No, I was just going to wrap it up. I was going right. to say so. It's just with, stay safe. Wash your hands. Brush your teeth. We love you all, and we will see you next Thursday. Thursday.